Oh hey, I'm glad you're here. Welcome to Season 7 of the VHS Podcast. Was that break killing you? Because it was killing me, and I'm so glad to be back. During the break, I was a guest on the Gen Splice Pod, where a son and mother watch a film and discuss it. Uh, my episode was Serial Mom, and talking about it with a mom seems very on brand for VHS. So uh, please check that out. Also, our Patreon has been completely reworked. There's a dollar tier for anyone wanting to just show some love, and the new releases, late return episodes, unlock at the $3 tier. Those have been super fun and positive, just shouting out our current favorite books, movies, video games, music, and more, and then a look back at a film from the past. So you can find us at patreon.com backslash V-H-U-S. Do you know what the strangest part about being weird is? It's the normalcy. The way you think everyone sees the world turns out just to be you. This happens from time to time, and I always remember, okay, yeah, that's right, I'm, I'm me. Uh, one of those ways has to have been informed by growing up in a video store. As I've said before, I used to hide in films. Uh, they were my safe way to study people from a safe distance, and, uh, and like the old cliche, they were my thrill rides. Do I dare to pop in the tape of Microwave Massacre and see where it takes me? Now, as an adult, I use those films, maybe not that one, uh, to meet people, to connect, and have a conversation. And, and even further, I, I recently was, uh, I asked a couple if they'd seen a movie, and my wife kind of interrupted the conversation, steered it elsewhere, and, and later she said, I was trying to figure out why you would mention this traumatic film to these people, and then I realized that movies are how you relate to people. And it really took me aback, um, because she's completely right. Uh, anyone who spends any time around me ends up with lists of movies in their phone. Uh, I, I can't stand pointless small talk, but ask me if I've seen Kathy's Curse or Mutant Hunt, and I am happy to get trucking. Huh? Which brings me to this episode. The film was the second one I thought of when coming up with VHS two years ago. I looked everywhere for someone with this profession, and it wasn't until I heard Debbie Sparks from the Women in Trucking Association on a podcast that I thought I had found someone who could steer me in the right direction. And I was right. So I want to thank Debbie for putting me in contact with this guest. It was truly an honor to get to talk with them. Um, they're all the things that I'd hope I'd find. A brave, determined, smart, and that's just them being themselves. So let's gas those tanks and rev those engines, because the film is Road Games, the guest is a trucker, and this is VHS. Hello, and welcome to VHS, the podcast where each episode is about a film and the guest has the profession or experiences portrayed in the film. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at VHUS underscore podcast and on our website, VH-US.com. And if you enjoy the show, please think about popping over to patreon.com backslash VHUS and show us some support. We have bonus episodes there and every little bit helps us hiring an artist to make original artwork for every episode. I'm your host, Dirk Marshall, and I'm joined today by Gina Heisel, who's a professional truck driver. Thank you for being here. You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, now, we were connected by Debbie Sparks from the Women in Trucking Association, who says Gina is a safety consultant and a professional truck driver who has driven over 2.1 million accident-free miles. That is correct. That is a lot of miles. Um, it is, but it's not as many as a lot of people that are, are in our image team. Really? Yes. So, so we have folks um, just on our image team has probably driven 3 million miles. We've got people in our organization has gotten uh, over uh, 4 million miles. Um, wow. So, yes. Um, that is incredible. And how long is. have you been a truck driver? 
A little over 15 years. And yeah. so uh, all those miles were, was not ran legally. So um, you have to think about back in the 80s uh, when truck driving was a different element mm-hmm. than what it is today and with the regulations that are stifened to where they are. Um, it was very common to see a driver at that time running two or three logbooks. Can you tell us a little bit about what logbooks are? Logbooks is a, a, is a document that um, is used throughout the industry to document how much time that driver is actually behind the wheel, how much time um, they are sitting, mm-hmm. how much time uh, they are uh, getting a rest. Uh, we went from paper logs, uh, what we all call lie detectives or lie yes. documents, um, to what we call ELDs, electronic logging devices, what is now uh, attached to the ECMs of every power unit. Yeah, because in this film, I don't have any notes on this because I didn't think it was that big of a deal. But since you already referenced it, they do reference these logbooks. They do. And- and I, I was like, you know, as an outsider to most professions that I cover, I was like, well, I, I don't know what this is about, but they talk about him like, you know, fudging with the books or, you know, it's like, and so I guess that that's something that they were really basing off of the actual profession at the time. In, in that is correct. Absolutely. Wow. That is interesting. And can you tell me a little bit uh, up top, what is the Women in Trucking Association? Of course, Women in Trucking Association is an organization who helps educate the industry about women who are in this uh, profession. And that goes to what we are, are trying to encompass, the, the safety element of it, as well as the equipment element of it. Not all pieces of equipment that has been designed was designed for women in, in mind, um, or even a smaller stature type individual. It doesn't have to be necessarily just a woman, but you know, a, a small uh, male uh, can have the same issues that a woman would encounter. So we educate. Yeah, it's something that I, I really like hearing Debbie talk about because I'm a small man. And so if I was in that profession, you know, I, I would be, well, I would be weary to try the profession because, you know, uh, all the assumptions I think most people make is I have to be an expert mechanic. I have to be super strong, be able to do the things like Stacy Keach is doing in this movie. Um, and the reality of it is that there's a lot of assistance offered and available, right? There is. Uh, of today, back when Stacy Keach and this the, and Jamie Cur- Curtis yeah. movie was filmed, um, the even though it was overseas and not in the U.S. with the U.S. equipment. Uh, the the genetic makeup of that equipment was still what we saw in the U.S. with the big steering wheels, what we call the pearl steering wheels. Mm. And when I started driving in 1979, that's exactly what I really, you know, started out in, which was a cab over with a big steering wheel. I couldn't receive, I couldn't reach the controls uh, without having to sit on the edge of the seat. So, because the, the seats didn't move at that point in time. Oh, geez. And so it, it portrayed that very well. The only thing that I would challenge um, in, in portraying the equipment was a refrigerator uh, that was in that truck. Um, yes, yeah. Yeah, we didn't have refrigerators. Right. Well, I don't think you know, the truck we were looks lucky like if it's... we had a small cooler. 
Yeah, it doesn't look like it's a refrigerated truck either. Like it looks, no. you know, like well, when you start the, re- loading the trailer the was a, a refrigerated trailer. Oh, it was. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, but the the inside of the cab where it had the actual refrigerator underneath a doghouse, oh, uh, yeah. under the bunkhouse, yeah, was not actually uh, true. Mm-hmm. And when uh, you have a cab over, you have what well, a seat here and a seat there. And then what we have called a big doghouse. And then that doghouse was level with a bunk. Mm. So we didn't have a little area um, that was open like that. Now, that doesn't mean that the Australian side of trucks were like that. I don't know, but the U.S. trucks was not. Oh, that's that's interesting. That's one thing I love about talking with people in the different professions is I would never notice something like that. But You know, you started, you said in 79, this is 81. So, you know, you watch it and you're like, oh, I, I don't think we had, we didn't have that. So no, that is, we that didn't is have fantastic. That. Um, well, I love what the Women in Trucking Association is doing. And one of the things that I loved that I heard Debbie speak about was that it's a rare profession where women and men are paid equally. That is true. Absolutely. Which is fantastic. So when I started driving, um, I was paid a lesser amount than uh, my male counterpart, um, which I, you know, fought uh, throughout the years to, to, to get uh, or to receive quality pay. Um, there were, from, at that point in time, very few carriers, motor carriers who paid equivalent to each um, counterpart. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same versus, you know, what a male experience and a female experience. Uh, It goes also back to the point that when I was driving, when I would go to a new motor carrier, um, my road test consisted of hours of road test, not uh, the minimum requirement. Mm. Um, It was always uh, above and beyond and a maximum of just being able to see how well we can handle that piece of equipment. I remember uh, one of my road tests lasting for three hours. That's crazy. Which it went, And when I finally looked at him, I says, look, do you understand that I can handle this rig or not? Because you're wasting my time and my energy. That's fantastic. And he, and I called him out on it and he was like, well, that's, that, 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 that's not what I'm doing. I said, yes, you are. I'm taking this rig back to the facility. You can either hire me or you don't. I'm done with this road test. It's very clear and evident that I know how to handle this rig. So we're done. And uh, he was extremely shocked that first I even called him out on it. Yes. Second of all, that I stopped the road test um, and it was handed back to the facility and he could not believe that I challenged him on that. Oh, I, I just told you before we started recording, I waited almost two years trying to get this episode up and I am so excited that you're the person that I get to speak to because you're exactly the type of person that I want to sort of champion in these things. Um, I usually get to this way later, but I just got to touch on it now what drove you to start trucking in the beginning (laughs) you know it's it started when I was really really young um and I tell this story but you have to you have to 
look at it from the from the perspective that I was looking at. Mm-hmm. I was a five, six year old little girl uh, standing outside of my grandmother's house, watching my uncle pull up in this tractor trailer. And I was extremely intrigued with it. It was big, it was massive, and it yeah. looked really, really cool. And to see him and my aunt come out of that piece of equipment was was just extremely thrilling for me. Yeah. And, you know, for him to, to tell the stories of where he's been, where he's going, and, and so on, it just really uh, intrigued me to, to the point that's like, okay, that's what I want to do when I grow up. And, and I remember telling my uncle that, and I remember him patting me on top of the head and says, honey, little girls don't drive big trucks. And I said, but what about, you know, my aunt? Well, honey, she, she, you know, she, she's, she's with me, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to compensate the reason why she was driving. And I knew at that very young age that I wasn't going to drive with a male counterpart. Yeah. I was, this was something I want to do by myself. And I did. And I was very successful with it and even had my own trucking company and, and had my own drivers and, you know, and so on and so forth. But it's just him telling me that I couldn't yeah, really intrigued me even more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when I was 21 years of age, um, going through the city that he lived in, and I remember calling him, I said, can you come and meet me? He says, you better not be in a tractor trailer. He said, or you'd be here at my house. And I said, well, just come and meet me. And when he pulled up, he, of course, saw this tractor trailer sitting there. And I could just see him smiling from ear to ear. Oh, that's good. You know, but at the same time, what are you doing? Mm. You know, you're a little beady thing. It's like, no, Uncle John, I'm not. You know, I'm of age. I can do this. Yeah. And I had been driving like six months before he even knew I was out on the road. And of course, you know, he had this, you know, smile from mile to mile, you know, how proud he was. But at the same time, you know, he was very cautious and concerned about my safety. Sure. Because women back then didn't drive solo. Mm -hmm. You know, they just didn't do it. But, you know, when you have, when you're brought up in a household that I was brought up, you learn to do things and defend things for yourself and don't count on anybody else to, to help you or get you through it. Yeah. So. I, I, I love that. My wife is of the very same, uh, ilk. If you say no, she's like, I'm going to do it. And I just, yes. you know, I think that's wonderful. I think it's something that is, uh, my seven-year-old daughter has definitely got within her as well. And good for her. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I just I think it's so inspirational to hear. And so um, so thank you again for being here and sharing your of story. Course. Uh, yeah. The synopsis for the film is a late. Oh, first of all, we're talking about the movie Road Games. Uh, the synopsis for the film is a laid back American truck driver in South Australia starts to suspect a man driving a green van of killing women along his route and proceeds to play a cat and mouse game in order to catch him red handed. At the time of this recording, you can rent it at your local video store like Movie Madness here in Portland, Oregon, buy the Blu-ray, which is beautiful, or stream it online. Uh, Some of the people involved in the making, the director is Richard Franklin. Uh, He was a huge Hitchcock fan. This film is basically rear window set in the world of trucking. He did Patrick in 78, Road Games in 81, Psycho 2 in 83, 
Cloak and Dagger in 84, which is one of my favorites, and FX2 in 91. Our cinematographer is Vincent Montan, who did Raw Deal in 77, The Long Weekend in 78, Road Games in 81, and Innocent Prey in 84. And our editor is Edward McQueen Mason, who did Patrick in 78, Road Games in 81, Kangaroo in 86, and Napoleon in 95, predominantly all Australian team. Uh, our actors are Stacy Keach. This was originally written for Sean Connery, and then they realized ah. how much money it costs for Sean Connery, and they could not afford that. So uh, they looked on the list. Stacy Keach was on there, and they went with Stacy Keach. He did uh, Brewster McLeod in 70, Fat City in 72, The Squeeze in 77, Roan Gabe's in 81, and he's still going strong. Um, we also have Jamie Lee Curtis. Originally, this was uh, an Australian actress playing her role uh, due to financy years i think is the word uh the actress was removed and jamie lee curtis was was provided with the role uh halloween in 78 she did the fog in 80 prom night in 80 terror train in 80 road games in 81 and she's still going today and then i wanted to mention grant page who's the killer he's the uh, stunt coordinator for the film and also the stunt co coordinator for mad max beyond thunderdome uh, and a lot of the other films out in australia i, I always love movies where they take the stunt person and they're just like well, you should just do the role because, you know, you got it. Uh, and he doesn't do a lot. My wife was like, he, the killer really doesn't do anything. And no, like, he doesn't. You know, and he doesn't you... speak either. So. No, even the, the, yeah, the end part. I mean, but we'll just get right to it. Let's press play on road games. Uh, we begin outside of a motel and a rig pulls up. Is that right term? Rig? Do you say rig? Sure. Rig, tractor. Uh, power unit. They have a lot of names. Okay. Uh, we see Stacy Keach, who's talking to his dog. Oh, last motel in town again, eh, Boswell? Well, it's not exactly the rest, but it sure beats spending another night in the truck. That's one way to, uh, to not be alone, a pet. Uh, Keach also gets a call on the CB, and they're using the handle Gypsy397. Gypsy397. Base 4 to Gypsy397. Do you copy? Oh, God. This is something you see a lot in trucker cinema. Uh, is the CB still a thing? And where does a handle come from? Well, so the CB is still used by, I would say what I call um, experienced drivers um, that's been on the road for many, many, many years. I mm -hmm. don't think you see that in this younger generation. Uh, the CBs have been out there for years and years and years. Uh, the handles came from back when you used to have a have uh, ICC license um, to be able to to even have one legitimately, and so you had to have a handle along with your ICC number. And since that has gone away, the handle really stuck, um, and so everybody has to have a handle. Everybody has, you know, um, instead of calling you by your name, they called you by your handle. Okay. And uh, Stacy says, just because I drive a truck does not make me a truck, a driver. truck driver. That is that is exactly right. Negative base four. I haven't slept since Wednesday. I'm hallucinating. Over. I thought you truck drivers took pills for that sort of thing. Darling, just because I drive a truck does not make me a truck driver. Over. Uh, what is what is he saying with that? Well, so there are truck drivers, there are drivers, and there's steering wheel holders. Um, that we review into the modern age of trucking. Uh, a truck driver is one who lives and breathes and understands and has the ability to, this is what they have succumbed to. 
this is their life, this is where they want to be, and this is their livelihood. Uh, then you got a truck driver who is, you know, has been forced into it, doesn't, doesn't want to be there. Um, he's just trying to make a living. He doesn't or she doesn't want to uh, be distinguished as a truck driver. It's just somebody who drives a truck for a living. And then you got the steering wheel holders who think they're our motorist tourist. Um, they don't understand the concept of a, a driver responsibilities. They think all they do is out there, you know, holding up the steering wheel. But then you've got the perception from the general public thinking that's all they do is hold that steering wheel and do nothing else. Mm. They don't understand the responsibility and the expertise and the knowledge that comes with actually driving a commercial vehicle from point A to point B. Got it. Because from a complete outsider standpoint, I mean, it's so limited what you see of trucking, especially in cinema. There's like Smokey and the Bandit and things like that, where they don't really give you much. But if you, I think, ask most people to picture a trucker, you're going to picture probably something you saw from the 70s, where it's a big guy with a beard. He's not going to appear the most educated. He's going to be gruff. Um there's going to be some pervasive elements of like taking trucker speed, they call it or whatever. Um, it's very negative connotation. And so that's I think, correct. yeah, so I thought that that's what he was saying, that he's like this educated person and not um, something like this illusion that we've heard before. Um, there is an illusion, but, you know, going on the record, there's more educated folks driving a tractor trailer uh, or driving a commercial vehicle today than there ever has been yeah. in the other field. I love that. And are drugs as pervasive as portrayed in those films? No. Yeah. Back then, yes. Yes, sure. <laughs> Back then. So what, what curbed that was a drug and alcohol uh, came into play in the 90s. And so that really curbed uh, a lot of the illegal uh, contraband. Yeah. It did completely uh, get, you know, uh, evasive it out of the 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 industry, but mm. what it did, it curtailed it towards uh, these big motor carriers uh, who developed this program, and it alienated the owner-operators who still had that stigma, but the company drivers were, uh, you know, a better product of a driver because they're under this regulatory and they're getting drug tested, and so you know, the, the industry has always tried to get rid of the owner operators or independent drivers mm. for years and years and years because they say those are type of individuals or drivers are giving the industry a bad name. Um, they did, they, you would succumb to drivers being more apt to drive illegally. Mm. You would also see the drivers more apt to take something over uh, a legal substance. Uh, to be able to make, to allow them to drive longer and make more money and, and so on and so forth. Um, but that doesn't immune the other type of drivers that uh, from taking that stuff. Uh, we still today in the type of organizations and, and uh, trying to minimize the contraband of our drivers of today, we still have a high, high, high turnover rate of individuals who are still taking that illegal contraband, mm. whether it's alcohol, legal substance or illegal substance. So, you know, you, you have to 
I, I think our biggest challenge today is trying to mitigate those who are taking legal substance mm -hmm. um, from those who are taking illegal substance, but are still just as dangerous. Yeah. Oh, that makes that makes total sense. Hey, Boswell. Isn't that that young fox we saw hitchhiking on the other side of the way bridge? I told you we should have picked her up. Now that clown's going to get her. Uh, Stacy notices a van pull in ahead of him and a man exits with a woman who was hitchhiking. They get the last room. And so Stacy and the dog have to sleep in the truck. Have you ever had to just sleep in the rig because there was no vacancy? Yeah, that's the normalcy. That's the normalcy. Okay. To, to sleep in a hotel or motel is a luxury. Mm. Um, and it's not done very often. Gotcha. Uh, we see a woman in the room with an acoustic guitar and uh, in the bathroom, gloved hands are winding up a thin wire and the killer slowly gets closer to where she tunes a guitar. It's a very effective scene, very Hitchcock. Yeah, it's a guitar string that he has. Yeah, and the next morning, uh, Stacy lets the dog out and is attracted to the trash outside. Um, he notices the strange man is watching the trash, but the garbage men come and pick it up and then we get the opening credits. And uh, when this film was finished, the um, producers mentioned that this is the longest prologue they'd ever seen in a film before the credits rolled. They were like, what are really? you doing? Like, this is so long. Uh, we see Keech's truck being filled with meat as he plays harmonica and fills out paperwork. Mm -hmm. um, and so this was my first question. I thought when I think of a truck, I think of a truck, but there's actually separate parts. The part that he has is the front part and then the part that he's hauling that belongs to the meat people or sometimes so so okay. he is he's an independent that leases out his equipment to other type of shippers uh to transport their their commodity whatever it's you know on a reef or a flatbed or uh drive in you know there's there's different types mm. of um carriers out there so you've got those who own the rigs and have their trailers and then they pull up to the shipper and they load their equipment. There are other folks like I was, had the, we owned the power units, we leased our trucks to a motor carrier, used their trailers to transport commodities. Okay. And then there's people out there say, okay, I have a trailer, I'll come to you. I have my own authority, but let me use your trailer. I'll deliver this and then I'll pick up another individual shippers trailer and deliver that so there's you don't have that as a common thread today as it once was back in the 70s mm -hmm. and maybe early 80s um but by mid maybe mid to late 80s that really went away and it just went from you know a company having their tractor trailer or an owner operator having their own tractor trailer or a tractor leasing onto a carrier Gotcha. With full devout courage of sundry folk by adventure fall in fellowship and pilgrims were they all. Good morning, pilgrims. Morning. Uh, we see him driving down the uh, freeway, imagining people's lives and conversations. It's one of the things that I really appreciate about this film is one, it's not a really mean-spirited film. And two, there's so much um, acting for something that's a thriller. There's a lot of Stacy Keach just really mm -hmm. filling in the time. 
Um, and the director said that he was really blown away by Stacey Keach's performance. And um, Jamie Lee Curtis said the same thing. He would get in and out of the truck over and over and over because he believed that the people that drive trucks do it so much that there's sort of a ballet to it where you just know like how to shift your weight, how to do, you know, how you do things. Um, and I thought that that's such a wonderful way to view the profession, even at 81, to realize that there's this like, there's this, you know, beautiful thing going on. And even through the shift. Well, I don't of all think we mechanics. looked at it as a beautiful thing sure. as it was right. an art of getting in and art getting out. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure Stacy would not agree with me saying beauty either. But um, <laughs> but yeah, he, he delivers some great quips. There's a motor, motorcycle guy sneezing and he calls him Sneezy Rider. Uh, yep. The Sneezy Rider is Robert Thompson, who was the star of Richard's first uh, previous film, Patrick. But she's a real dragon. You should have thrown right at the last left turn. I told you, but you never listened. Stacy's really keeping his mind busy. How... Do you keep your mind busy on these long drives? Is it podcasts, books on tapes, phone calls? What do you do? So back when, back when I first started driving, it was music. And because, and the CB, because we didn't have uh, podcasts. We mm. didn't have books on tape. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have any of the modern technologies. So what you had was an AM, FM radio. Yeah. And you're constantly changing as you're going through from city to town to city to town, just trying to capture some airwaves. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't always the music that you wanted to hear. Yeah. Uh, when you got a station that you enjoyed, you know, um, it was always a sad moment or a sad mile when you lost it. Yes. And, and you, you get that screeching noise and you just you, you hang on to the very last uh, complete static that it's like, OK, I can't deal with this anymore. Um, but that's all we had. And, and so you did, you, you looked at other vehicles to try to uh, interpret, okay, are they going to work? They need to slow, slow down. Uh, or, Hey, you know, that's not a good idea to have your kid laying in the back. Right. Window. You know, and, and, and those type of things that kept you busy to keep your mind occupied because you spent a lot of time behind the wheel. By towards the end of my driving career, I did. I listened to podcasts. I listened to books on tape. I listened to the C CB. I had satellite radio was just coming into play. Um, so I had all of that stuff and the cell phones were coming in. And so all that started to play, but it also become a major distraction. Yeah. While it became a, a, a benefit in some ways, it came a distraction and became could could have come detrimental and has become detrimental to yeah. other drivers. And so you have to look at the balance to see what you can, what you can't do, still function on your task, which is to get your equipment safely down the road and get your product delivered. Wonder why it doesn't pass. Maybe he's after our meat. Huh? A van is suddenly behind Stacy on the road, uh, right on their tail. And as it passes, he notices a cooler on the passenger side. Back in the cab, we get to see Stacy trying to play harmonica along to classical music, which is a, a fun little whimsical moment. Yes. He turns on the radio and we get sort of dropped in that there's body parts popping up around the uh, Australian outback. 
identity of its owner is unknown, but the hand will be packed in ice and sent to Sydney for comparison with the human leg discovered in a Townsville tannery last week. Police are denying speculation of a Jack the Ripper-type murderer at large and claim the two grisly items are probably unconnected and isolated. And suddenly he breaks because a woman has tied a bunch of toilet paper across the road. And then I thought she it was just, paper towels, but okay. Yeah, she just hops into the cab. And um, yeah. I love how this film just is introducing a cast. We, we have a cast that's moving. We have the motorcyclist keeps coming back. The guy that has all the um, sports balls in his car keeps coming back. It's like um, they're all traveling at the same rate across. Mm-hmm. It's, very, it's such an interesting idea. Um, he notices a lady hitchhiker, but passes her. And the woman in the cab says there's a maniac killing women. It's the first he's heard of it. Well, a gentleman would have picked her up with his maniac running around loose, butchering girls. What maniac? The one on the radio, on the news. Yeah, go on. I don't know, just some maniac. Yeah. Uh, there's an accident and they're clearing the road. That's the director's voice saying that at that time. They didn't have anybody else to say that line, so he did it. Um, I, I'd imagine accidents can really throw you off. Uh, is, there, is there a, a penalization that can happen for if roads are closed and you have yes. to, like that's on you, even though it's not your fault? Well, it is. It, it is on the driver and, uh, you know, it comes with the territory that you're in. Mm. Um, you can't drive up and down the road for a million miles and not get behind an unfortunate situation. Um, and that unfortunate situation could be um, an accident. It could be a, a detrimental accident uh, mm. where somebody's lost their life. Um, but also, you know, you have issues where traffic is uh, an issue, mm-hmm. um, whether it's, you know, rush hour, morning, lunch, nighttime. Then you also have inclement weathers. Inclement weathers can play oh, yeah. a, a drastic role in you know, one safety to get from one to, to another location. And yes, that all becomes uh, subsequently uh, on the responsibility of the driver, meaning they're responsible for their hours of service and their hours of service is governed. Uh, you only have a, so many hours that you can do certain things and, and whatever happens between point A and point B, that all has to be taken into consideration. Mm. Um, if you're sitting on the road for three hours because um, of an accident, well, unfortunately, you just lost those three hours. Now, there are some exceptions or an exemptions that you might be able to get back partial. But for the most part, you know, the productivity has been lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, they start playing a game and she says she noticed a man digging a hole so he stops yes. and he gets the binoculars and we see the cooler and the man sees Stacy Keach and he puts the cooler back in the car and he leaves. And then Keach delivers a fantastic monologue as he's piecing things together. What the hell was he burying? Is this another game? Why does a man stop in the middle of nowhere and dig a hole? Maybe he had to, you know, go to the toilet. Lady, you don't understand. The same guy picked up a hitchhiker last night. And then about 4.30 this morning, he watched the garbage bags being collected outside the motel. And now he's burying more garbage. Doesn't that seem a little weird to you, lady? You truck drivers take drugs, don't you? You've got the DDTs. Cast to the wind, thy ghastly sin. 
The woman freaks out, takes off and almost runs off a cliff, which is pretty terrifying. Uh, she, she says she has her own problems. So no calling the police and no more games. Uh, yes. The next scene, he calls the police, but the reception is bad and he's shouting as the camera spins this wonderful 360 in a bar. We see everyone in the place. It's a great shot. And it was one of the only sets they built in the film. Um, most of what they filmed was almost in order as they head across Australia. Uh, there's a terrifying mural in this, um, on this set. And so I was curious, you must have crossed some very strange places in your travels. Is I did, any, of course. Are there Absolutely. any that stand out as, as unique? Um, well, you know, they all have their own uniqueness. Yeah. Um, every area has their own um, negatives and positives. Um, but I think for me, personally, I never really got into um where I was extremely terrified or something mm -hmm. but what I did notice when I had my aunt riding with me uh for a couple of weeks she felt that we got into an area that was probably less than inviting where mm. she wanted to be and she became really alarmed um and how could I put her in that type of environment I mean she was she was laughing, but, you know, really actually being kind of serious about it. And yeah. I personally never have felt that fear um, being in the wrong area. Mm. I certainly have, um, you know, and there were a couple of times that, you know, I will never forget. But for the most part, I don't think that's something we really worry about because or I never worried about because um, I had protection. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, I just mean sort of like a, like an odd place. Like when my wife was on a road trip when she was like 17, she, I believe, stopped in a restaurant that had a monkey. And uh, you're. Oh, okay. So, you know. <laughs> there used, so there used to be along I 10 down in Louisiana, um, there used to be a couple of places that used to have tigers, live tigers. That's so crazy. That truck drivers can at a truck stop that you can go in and, and look at, which was I thought was kind of unique or you know fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I um, mean th this stuff doesn't exist so much now, but right. like you know, eighties, nineties. I mean, it there did. was there was still these things that existed where yep, you would yep. just come across a place and you'd be like, "What is this?" You know. And then you know there was there was you know some especially down south mm -hmm. is where I see most of this type of uniqueness um different type of animals um the food was totally different um you know it was nothing especially you know in the what we call the south corridor mm. to to see some uniqueness you know strange animals that you wouldn't normally see yes. you, you would see uh some monkeys every now and then uh people would have them with them uh in their vehicles they pull you know, it's like wow okay yeah um so yeah there were those different things uniqueness that you saw from time to time i mean yeah. honestly i actually forgot about that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh this scene it's also so loud he can't finish the phone call he's informed they killed dingoes on site son of a bitch and uh he sets out to find his dingo which is in the truck it's been wounded and he sees the van pull off so he starts pumping pedals and shifting gears I think Stacy said in a recent interview that there's like 16, he didn't say gears, but uh, what are the terms for the shifting? Gears. They're just gears. 
Yeah. Okay. Just gears. And is there 16? Is it? Well, so it depends on type, the type of transmission you have. Oh, I believe you said splitters. Is that the term? Yeah. So, yeah. So there, back in that type, um, we'd have what we call the split stick. Um, Mm. You had six and four. Um, where you had to use two different sticks to, to get into gear. Um, but, you know, once you got out of the, started in the later 80s, you didn't have that, but we still had splitters. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got splitters for highs and lows. Um, so you can anywhere, have anywhere from 10 to, to 18 gears. Okay. And today, now we have autonomous trucks. So, wait, what do you mean? Um, electric trucks and trucks that, um, don't have gears other than uh, park, neutral, and drive. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. And we have trucks that can drive themselves. That's, I had no idea. Yes. Oh. Well, he's speeding down the road. Uh, the van speeds past a boat guy, and the boat guy is swerving so Stacy can't pass. This character is uh, called Careful, I forget, it's Careful Something. It's Bill Stacy. He's another stuntman. So they just keep mm-hmm. putting these stuntmen in these films. The man is insane and it results in the boat being destroyed. Uh, yes. so suddenly he passes a hitcher again. And it's our introduction to Jamie. Aren't you kind of young to be hitchhiking out here all by yourself? Aren't you kind of old to be picking me up? It's not a pickup, it's just a lift. I, uh, I don't usually pick up hitchhikers. What makes me the exception? I don't know. I guess I just kind of felt sorry for you. I didn't know there were any chivalrous truck drivers. Uh, she gets in. Uh, is it against code to pick up hitchhikers? It's, it's not against code. It's what we call against regulations. Gotcha. Okay. okay, it's, it's um, in order for a driver of today to have a passenger, you must have an authority form mm. from your motor carrier to allow somebody else in, in your truck. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, as I said, Jamie was brought on after the initial actress was let go. Uh, Franklin had met Jamie on the set of The Fog when he was visiting his fellow classmate, John Carpenter. Uh, he mm. didn't know that Jamie Lee Curtis was going to be a big, you know, famous actress at the time she doesn't have a lot to do in the film but he does love Hitchcock and knows her connection to her mom that was in Psycho so Uh he brought her on and then now feels like he wish he gave her more to do Um, (laughs) together they try to figure out why the killer is doing what the killer is doing Um, now on the subject of hitchhikers in movies truck stops uh, and in books are always perceived as these seedy bad places where all this awful things are happening um, what is a truck stop like at night? Well, um, it's pretty much how it's portrayed. Um, it, it can be very dangerous. Mm. Um, there are ladies of the night. Um, you yes. They, there are. Um, I've heard them called gigolos. lot lizards. Lot lizards. Is that a real term? Night. Um, they're, they're, they have a lot of different names. But those yeah. are the two most common. My, my wife was like, you don't have to ask about the male gigolos, like you said. So I was like trying to like, how do I word this well, exactly? But you, back then you didn't see those. Today mm. you see those yeah. um, not as often, but you also have your male gigolos because, sure. you know, we, we have um, the folks who, you know, the, the glad, you know, uh, gay lesbian mm-hmm. uh, industry um, that's 
pretty predominant in this world. Um, but at the same time, I mean, it's just, you know, different strokes for different folks. And so, um, yeah, it could be very, very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these uh, truck stops are not secured. So there's a lot of vandalism. There's a lot of uh-huh. drug cartel going in and out of there. There's a lot of illegal contraband. Um, I have seen uh, the mob in there. Wow. Um, yeah, it could be very, very dangerous. So, wow. Okay, this is not what I expected at all. I thought you were going to be like, yep, no, it's totally cleaned up now. Uh, well, it is cleaned up a lot since yeah. back then. Um, I still I, try, I still tell female drivers of today, if you have to park in the back, do not get out of the truck. Mm. Wow. Make sure yes. you're self-containable. Yeah. So and in, well, same way with males. I mean, it, it, you know, you can get robbed. Um, it's not just a um, a female stature thing. It, it's it's about human humans. Um, it's not safe for anybody to oh, really yeah. be walking from the back of the truck stop to inside. Oh, I mean, I've definitely just on road trips been to places where I'm like, I'm not getting out of the car here. We need to yeah. go somewhere else. But um, right. So, what in your advice would it be to? stay other places than truck stops or it's okay so so the only place that you got to where you could park an 18 wheeler is what rest areas and casinos right well casinos casinos in in, together or tandem with big parking lots gotcha okay um and so casinos is just as dangerous as a regular (laughs) truck stop that makes sense um you know probably even worse what you carrying? Pigs. You in the habit of picking up hitchhikers? No. You pick up a hitchhiker last night? What? The manager of the Melbourne Car Hotel claims you checked in with a young lady fitting the description of a missing person. Me? Well, they are pulled over by the police, and uh, the, we find out the killer used his name to, off his truck to get the room at the hotel, so now he's a suspect. Um, and then they pull over, they have a fire. We get some excellent character development. There's a lightning flash where she sees the van out in the desert. Sleep not, dream not. This bright day will not, cannot last for a. Emily Bronte. Right. Read much of her stuff? Yeah, I have. The next morning they quote literature and she writes tomorrow's bacon on the back of the truck in dirt. This is something they didn't take a photograph at the time of filming. So if you watch closely, it changes completely throughout the rest yeah. of the film. <laughs> uh, they stop at a place to tune up and use the restroom. And who do they see but the van? Uh, mm-hmm. In this scene, Stacy's working on the truck and the whole front of it is like sort of inverted. Jacked up. Jacked up. Is this yeah. how you still work on trucks? Not Well, cab overs, yes, but not conventionals. Conventionals has a hood that opens up and why oh. the tractor is still there but with cab overs um so you had the whole cab and everything sitting on top of the motor and, and the two steers so the only way they can open it up was to jack it up and everything came with it wow it's but surreal today, yeah but today you've got um you know the cab of the truck set what we call setback mm. you have your two axles and then the motors in between the two axles and you've got a hood that covers it so okay. then that opens it up Okay. And I know from listening to Debbie, as I mentioned earlier, you don't have to know how to fix everything, but when you started, 
was that different? Or if you had an issue that you say couldn't fix, how did, who did you call? Who's responsible for, for that sort of situation? So that, that's, you know, that's a really good question. And, and so you don't have to be, well, let me, let me take a step back. Probably 60 to 80% of drivers back in that era mm. knew how to fix and make minor repairs on their equipment. I did not. Okay. Mm. Yes, I can do some minor things. Uh, duct tape was my, my friend. And so, you know, you sometimes you just put things together until you can get into a location to where you, a truck stop or someplace where you can fix it. But at the same time, when a truck broke down on the road back then, you would have two and three and four and five trucks that parked behind you to help you. Oh, okay. You don't have that today because one, motor carriers have banned drivers from doing that. Two, the camaraderie is not out there at once it was. Three people are on too much of a time crunch to, to give two hoots about anybody else. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, because I, I, I always want to think like, you know, this there's this community there that if, you know, something happens, someone would reach out and help. But that's, huh. It's called road service. Okay, gotcha. Quit! Uh, there's a great gag here where the car alarm is going off just to heighten the tension. Stacy enters the restroom. The stall says it's engaged. He watches the door. She peeks in the van. Uh, he shouts in the stall at someone that we think is the killer, only to find out it's the uh, sneezy rider. Uh, she creeps closer to the cooler, but the man's in the van. And uh, when Stacy comes out, the van's gone. And uh, yeah. he just apologized to the sneezy rider guy. And then he steals his motorcycle, but he, he can't ride a motorcycle. <laughs> right. So he immediately crashes it. It's a great gag that happens so quick. Uh, but then he sets chase. He thinks that she's okay. He starts this dialogue to himself while he drives. We learn on the radio that he is possibly a suspect. Police in Melbourne and Perth are seeking the assistance of motorists in connection with the disappearance of 20-year-old heiress Pamela Rushworth, daughter of US diplomatic advisor Warren Rushworth. According to Mr. Rushworth, his daughter is traveling west with a truck driver described in his mid-40s. Police have fears that the truck driver, whose name has not yet been released, may be the same man wanted in connection with the disappearance of a missing Melbourne girl. And we see on his face the stress. He's spiraling. Mm -hmm. um, I'd imagine food poisoning, cold, stomach flu, fever. These are all things that can happen on a long haul drive. How do you cope with things of that nature? Well, that's, a, that's another good question. So depending on how sick you are, depends on what you can do. Um, yes, uh, food poison is you know, was extremely high. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when I was out on the road, you learned to pick and choose what you could eat. Um, you never ate anything that would be sitting out for any, that could be sitting out for any long periods of time. The danger zone, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and so you learned to, to eat things that they had to, to cook. And if it was sitting out, that you were gonna get sick from. Gotcha. Second of all, um, if you did get sick, uh, you know, there's, there's the old, the old thing, uh, stopping alongside the road, mm -hmm. um, um, became your next best friend, um, uh, because, you know, when nature calls, you're not always privy to a, 
a rest area to be able to take care of nature's call. Yeah. And so, you know, so there became a lot of dialogue that came with that. Um, I got to stop and take care of some paperwork. And, you know, that means that they're going to, to the restroom or um, I got to wet the tire. I got to put water in my radiator. Mm-hmm. It, it became a, a, you know, a dialogue um, on the CB. But if you got, you know, where you couldn't function, you just went to bed. You yeah. just called your dispatcher say, I'm deathly sick. Mm. Um, but it's nothing to drive with a cold. It was nothing to drive with a fever. I mean, I ran many, many, many miles running with a fever and, and you know, having a, a Kleenex stuck yeah. up my nose and trying yeah. to get down the next mile. And so it's just, you do what you need to do. Um, but when you get too sick to drive, you just, you don't drive. Yeah. At night, he uh, comes across the van, he parks to investigate, breaks the window to see what's in the cooler, and it's his lunch, which is a great time for us to take a break. We'll be right back after this. Are you tired of boring food and condiments made of processed ingredients? Then you need Marshall's Hot Sauce. Each small batch is made by Sarah Marshall, who sources from local farmers. Her dedication to knowing the sources carries on through right down to knowing the single origin beekeeper and even the harvester of the sea salt. Each sauce is plant-based, gluten-free, and packed with deliciousness. Annual offerings from mild to spicy, being smoked habanero barbecue, red chili lime, serrano ginger lemongrass, and habanero carrot curry. Not to mention a rotating offering of limited edition sauces like Whiskey Smoked Ghost, Caramelized Scorpion Ghost, Volcano Sparkle, and even a collaboration with the Heatonist, Bird's Eye Charred Chive Dulce. There's always something new and delicious. Just head on over to marshallshotsauce.com, that's marshalls, H-A-U-T-E-S-A-U-C-E.com. When checking out, enter VHUS in promo code for 20% off. That's VHUS at checkout for 20% off. And now, back to the show. We're back. Stacy just found the killer's lunch, which is a great time to talk food. Now, I heard you are quite a cook. How does that translate to road times? Uh, do you eat what you bring? Do you bring snacks? Is there a, there's not a mini fridge. We covered that. Right. So, so back then I had a cooler that I would put, you know, uh-huh. um, stuff that I could eat readily, um, vegetables and stuff like that, that you can eat, um, uh, and I got to where I only ate one meal a day. Oh yeah. And, and it usually was breakfast food, mm-hmm. uh, because breakfast food has less tendency to how create, um, food poisoning. Mm-hmm. Um, so if eggs set out, it's not going to hurt you if they, you know, cause they had to fry them. So, um, and I wasn't a real big meat eater anyway. So that really helped. Um, I was more of a snacker. Yeah. Um, so I would go and buy bulk things of uh, protein, uh, like uh, beef jerky. Mm-hmm. Ate a lot of beef jerky back then uh, because it gave me the protein. Also with peanut butter, ate a lot of peanut butter back uh, then because it gave you the protein that was necessary, but yet it kept you from eating out in truck stops. Um, where the, the, the food was extremely greasy and not, you know, extremely, 
not that I'm a health nut anyway, but sure. you know, it just really wasn't good for you. Hey, also saving money in that way. Cause you're spending. Well, and then also I had, you know, back in those days, I had a lot of issues, you know, when I go into truck stops to eat, um, you know, harassed from the, oh. uh, from the uh, restaurant, from the servers, uh, because, you know, telling you, you can't sit here, only truck dri- professional truck drivers were here. Oh, and so I was constantly having to prove that I was a truck driver with my, you know, license. And so it, it just, you know, who needs a hassle? Yeah. No, that and makes- so, and I didn't have time to stop for three meals a day. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I was lucky to be able to get one meal in a, in a day's time. But later in my trucking career, I had a microwave, I had, you know, refrigerator and I had all the comforts of home. And so when I did go home, I'd cook a lot of meals Mm -hmm. and freeze them up. And then, you know, right before I left, I stuck them in my refrigerator. And for the time frame that I was gone, which is about three weeks, by that last week's end, I was having to, you know, eat bulk stuff that I had already purchased, you know, but. Um, yeah, I didn't eat in truck stops later in life at all. Yeah, oh, that's great. Uh, he almost hits a kangaroo at this point. He needs some sleep. We see the gauge on the truck is losing its refrigeration. So he pulls over and uh, he goes to investigate. It's a gorgeous shot as he strolls through the meat. Uh, what's the strangest thing you ever hauled? Um, I think it would have had to have been uh, pine cones. Pine cones. Pine needles. Pine needles. A yeah. truck full of pine needles. Yeah. Wow. Uh, back in the cab, we get a voiceover of him talking to himself. He's really slipping at this point, and he again sees the van. We get weird optical effects to show that he's really losing his mind. He pulls into a way station, and this is something I don't understand, but I've always seen along the freeway. What What are these? And why do they exist? So way stations exist to keep us honest. Okay. Keep the drivers honest. It, well, let me rephrase it. It's not necessarily the drivers that they're trying to keep on us. It's the shippers and consignees and the motor carriers. Um, so each state has governed weights mm. and has governed lengths of the vehicles. And so they have, excuse me, they have these way stations or chicken coops or whatever you want to call them. Um, there for a reason, want to make sure the driver is running legal uh, with the hours of service, make sure that the driver is a qualified driver that's operating that commercial motor vehicle. Thirdly, is to make sure that the length of that tractor trailer or the commercial vehicle is within regulations. And lastly, to make sure that it's not overweight. Mm. Yeah. And, that, and, and then that they're not hauling illegal contraband. Yeah, in this film, he's overweight and then yeah, the guy he's good buddies with the guy so. yeah and the guy thinks that it's the wire that's underneath his truck but yeah. then there's also this thing of like is there a dead body in his truck like we don't really know at this point um he sees the van take off he's tailed by the police so the three carry on now through uh, a city it's it, there's a weird gag with a guy's glasses in an alleyway it's yeah. the only chase scene that gets slower in film usually goes on yeah usually they get faster and crazier and this one it just gets slower and slower it's so strange and then his truck is pinned and the van guy starts smashing his lights uh the cop starts to climb under 
and then Stacy's rig lurches forward and crushes the van. Um, the guy gets the jump on Stacy. Stacy takes him down, only to be caught while wrapping the wire around the killer's neck. The entire cast of the film shows up at this moment. It's this very mm-hmm. strange thing that happens. Um, out of the van, they pull Jamie Lee Curtis, who's bound. I thought you were dead. Well, thanks a lot. You know how long I've been in this stupid sleeping bag? Well, I've had kind of a rough day myself, thanks. They catch the killer. The next day, they're both walking down the highway, and he says, I thought your body was hanging in the truck. She looks down at the sandwich, and then we see inside the meatpacking plant. Uh, the director is the last person carrying meat out of the truck in this scene, so he actually makes a, an appearance, much like Hitchcock loved to do in his films. Uh, it ends with a woman scrubbing the inside of the truck. She pulls the guitar string, and a human head falls out of nowhere into her bucket, and then the doors close. The real end was Stacy Keach and Jamie Lee Curtis walking down the freeway, but the financiers once again said this is a very boring way to end a movie. So they had to add the severed head. Richard Franklin is more of a fan of uh, thrillers and less mm-hmm. of like horror severed body parts and things, which is why you don't see what's in the cooler, et cetera, throughout the film. It's, he's a very tasteful filmmaker. So I think it's kind of a disservice that they had this mm-hmm. severed head gag at the end. But I, I get it. They were trying to, to make a, a moment, I guess. Um, but that's the end of Road Games from 1981, which brings yeah. us to final questions. Are you ready? I am. Okay. What's your favorite thing about being a truck driver? Here today, gone tomorrow. Oh, excellent. Uh, what is a good day like for a truck driver? Uh, getting a lot of miles on the road without having to have any major issues, any mm. uh, breakdowns, any malfunctions. Uh, any DOT issues, no uh, accidents, no rush hour traffic. Well, I think I know how to answer this one, but what's a bad day like? All of those I just included. Yeah. (laughs) It's a good day. (laughs) Uh, Any advice for someone interested in being a truck driver? I would say, you know, follow your heart. This is something that you want to do. Um, It's a very rewarding career. I remember when I first started, my family was very dead set against us uh, because they would rather see me use my brain um, in in a different facet than they, you know, than I did driving up and down the road. Uh, I didn't uh, curtail to what society wanted me to do. Um, I followed my own heart and did what I wanted. And, um, you know, today I am, you know, top of my game. I'm considered an expert. Uh, with the regulations and into this industry, I help motor carriers, you know, stay in compliance, get into compliance, and I help mentor drivers who are wanting to get into this industry. It's not easy, um, but no job is. Mm-hmm. Um, every job has their challenges. This job will have their challenges. It's like any other thing. You're going to have your great days. You're going to have your bad days, and you're going to have your love-hate relationship with it. Yeah, that's great. That is absolutely fantastic. Which brings me to my final question, and it's my favorite question. Uh, Gina, what are your dreams like? To be able to retire tomorrow. Oh, no, I mean, like, <laughs> when you sleep. <laughs> oh. <laughs> my dreams? I also love that you just talked about how you're top of your game. You made all this great things happen, and you're like, and I'm done if I could just retire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> My like, dreams are, are, yeah, are they work-related? Yeah. 
Are they sometimes I'm back on the road? Yeah. Sometimes I'm back in the military. Oh, wow. I didn't even know about the military. Yeah. Some things we just won't talk about. Right. Yes. (laughs) Well, that's excellent. Uh, Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, Thank you for watching Road Games and congratulations on on everything that you've accomplished. I just love your story and I just really appreciate you telling it to us today. Absolutely. Thank you for inviting us. You know, again, Women in Trucking or myself is here to help you in any future uh, endeavors. Um, We love what we do. We love uh, pursuing, you know, other opportunities for drivers and Uh, providing information that can help somebody else who wants to get into this industry. And uh, thank you very much for allowing us to come in and and, uh, into your world. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. We'll take care. You too.